I'll never play another hockey game with the Flying Fathers. I'll never sail my boats across the ocean. Oh, my God, it'll be a drag. I won't have all the fun I have, you know, over raising hell in churches. Oh, yeah, we have a where I preach. It's just a riot. Okay, so we get there. You have to ask yourself tonight, Al-Anon and AA and Alateen, where are you on these things? You know? Are you asking anybody? Ask, ask your, your uh, partner. Which, which column do I live by? When you see me, which column do I look like I'm in? Do I look happy? Do I look joyful? Do I free? Do I look enthusiastic? Do I look I'm putting his own? Do I look like I'm... Life's nothing but a great big shit sandwich and I got it. And I gotta take a bigger bite every day. <laughs> Nobody's seeing the trouble I see. Uh, don't you want to help me? Addictions, okay. What's the addiction of alcoholism? Addictions are what? A a Latin word, to give ourselves over totally to. Self-perpetuating dependency on one or more harmful drugs, alcohol, when taken in toxic, and that means poisoning quantities. Addiction means to abandon ourselves totally over to. It means to give ourselves to the foreign land. It means to leave home. It means idolatry. It means putting everything ahead of the values of where we're going to be happy. When we went into addictions, why did we go into addictions? For magnificent reasons. We were looking for God. We were looking for joy. We were looking for romance. We were looking for enthusiasm. We were looking for beauty. We were looking for harmony. We were looking what the mystics call in mysticism. We were looking for union. We were looking for a place where we belonged. We were looking for a place where we felt loved. We were looking for a place where we felt accepted. We were looking for a place, all of these magnificent, God-given good drives. And at the beginning, it worked. It was magnificent. You remember, you couldn't dance with a dime but three drinks and you made Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire look like they were totally paralyzed, right? Very shy with the girls, but two more drinks and you threw more passes than Joe Namath ever threw in his whole football there, right there? Right, right, right. If I had a bottle of Hagen Hag when I was writing a sermon, I'd make Fulton Sheen look like he had a speech impediment. <laughs> we sold more things, we drove cars better, we won more races, we did everything better. Stopped more pucks when I was hammered, did everything. And it was magnificent. You 
of the rule you got in Canada, because I was in the state for 20 years, 0.08 on the drinker. When they made that movie in 1966, they gave everybody a drink and put them driving in the parking lot, and then everybody started knocking over pylons. Well, I know the guy they threw out of the movie. The more movies they gave him the drink, the better he drove. That's us. <laughs> what do you mean, alcohol is a behavior? Were you sick, alcohol? What's wrong? Alcohol. Ridiculous. There was nothing wrong with my drink. It was the bloody parishioners. They couldn't stay out all night. <laughs> We won't get into that. So the first step, addictions, is what? It worked. What's an addiction? Take something from outside me to change the way I feel. Wow, let's get an idolatry out there that I can worship to change the way I feel. Did alcohol work for us beautifully? When we were drinking, we wrote symphonies that proved that Mozart never wrote one with a soul. Did everything better. We were at one with the universe. Oh, God, it was magnificent, right? the visions we had. <laughs> so you can use anything. And then some of us tried the other things. They worked. We either tried needles. We tried pills. I was I an was, um, Irishman in Montreal and we just, we just didn't do that. You know? Criminals, we thought, did that. So some used needles, some used pills, some used whatever. Take something from outside. I know that I know where I am. I'm in BC, and I know that it doesn't apply here, but it does back east. So some of us use sex. <laughs> A fix to change the way I feel. We use people. There's three addictions. Hey, there's a romance addiction, relationship addiction, sex addiction. A three different things completely but all with the same goal. Use something from the outside to change the way I feel. Right? Oh, you've recovered everything in my life. <laughs> Without you, life has no meaning. You are the beginning and the end, the reason for living, the reason for loving, and the reason for dying. When you say that to somebody, you're the demon himself. You're Satan himself. Because what you're doing is you're setting somebody else up, and then after a year I say, what the hell, you don't love me like you should. We've been living together for a whole year, and you still don't love me like you should. We set people up to do things for us that only God can do. And when you don't do it, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Power. We can use power, oh, yeah. Well, Adler, he's a philosopher who came in after Freud. He says, the only reason why we do anything in life is for power. We all have such a terrible concept inside of ourselves. Such a pit of, of, of self-pity. And of an inferiority already complex. The only way that we can get good feelings about ourselves is to impose our will on other people. We can do that by playing general bullies or Sally Sedakis.
play baby. Shh, don't make any noise. Baby's in the house. Right? Manipulate people. Can we manipulate people? Get people to do what we want to do? You know darn well when we were drinking, and even after we stopped drinking, if we have to get five Academy Awards in one afternoon, we can do it. Right? God, for 30 years I've been doing close-ups interventions on people, and just the acting is so magnificent, you know? You know, when we close in on the guy, everybody's there, and then, oh, my God. And we're close, and, the guy, and then he's pushing every button, because he knows what buttons to push, you know? But I'm there, but I'm, you know, and then all of a sudden the tears come down, you know? <laughs> and Whitey says, oh, Father, let's give him another chance, because he's crying. I say, bullshit, how long has he cried before? 1,732 times, right? <laughs> 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 oh, we get everybody to do that, so all of a sudden they melt right in front of us, right? Religion! Religion can become an addiction. Right? Religion can become something that we use from the outside to change the way we feel. We, we affect God. In other words, we make God an object of our addiction. God becomes a toy. God becomes our best buddy. God becomes somebody we're going to manipulate. God becomes somebody we make deals with. You know? God. I did that once. I was sitting in Montreal, a big, big thing, a big deal. I was calling Montreal. I'm saying, Lord, Lord. I'm fully vested in all the roads. I'm saying, Lord, Lord. So let me get too loaded tonight, just a little bit. <laughs> and out, hammered out of my mind. Have to get carried back to the rectory at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Did any of you ever enters the war zone of a Catholic rectory at 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, you don't dare call there in the afternoon because Father's having a siesta. Try 3 a.m. carrying me in. And what are the people saying? Poor Father Quinn, he's worked too hard. <laughs> Father Quinn at that time had worked two weeks in his life. And all I had to say was... <laughs> <laughs> And you wake up the next morning, and what do you do? God, how could you let this happen to me? You're a priest after I've given you my life with the vows of poverty, chastity, obedience, perseverance. Oh, the old violin comes out, right? Oh, my God, we play a symphony here that is just so we're more rolling in the morass of self-pity. And what can you do then? You get feeling so bad. You have to drink again to get feeling better. And that's what all addictions are, the vicious circle, right? We go out, we get our fix, we feel so bad for having used whatever we did to use our fix that we have to get in a total depression of it. So we go out, we get another fix to make us feel better, and we feel worse, and it just keeps going. The vortex of addiction keeps going. Religion's the same way. How many people, you know, we can, we can set God up. Now, that's certainly, we can set God up to be our buddy. Hey, God, I'll make a deal with you. Huh? And, 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 and we, want, we're, we think that we're going to change God. God is too transcendent. God is too imminent, too close to become an object of our addictions, to become a toy, because he loves us. And he commands us to love him 
but he's never going to control us. He's never going to make us do something we don't want to do. Some of it's kind of funny, though. Did you ever hear about the Jimmy Swagger diet? One part, and you lose it all. Okay, listen up, because this one's deep. Do you know that TV evangelists do more than lay people? Deep. Now we've got to talk about faith, because we're at the second step. We finally check these columns out with people. We ask our wives and our girlfriends. Don't ask wife and girlfriend at the same time. <laughs> and our children. You know, I deal a lot with it for 30 years. I know the greatest compliment children have told me. I'm blessed and lucky because my parents listen to me. And as you know, I'm in Toronto now where I treat five women with 500 skid row. Well, I don't I never want to use that word. I call them disaffiliated gentlemen. Right? Well, I've been doing it for 30 years. It's never going to hear me say anybody's a bum. Ever. That's a terrible word. I was standing, and there's as many here as you are here. It was every day. And I'm standing there making, doing the coffee thing, and a guy says to me, Father, you're ever jealous. I what the hell am I going to be jealous? Are you ever jealous of all these guys? I said, what? Jealous of these guys? What the hell for? He said, they're going to be in heaven before you. <laughs> we start talking about faith, and as soon as you mention faith, everybody starts looking up into heaven. And they're adoring God and his long white beard and a pink cloud and a lot of flaky angels drumming, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And you don't give a damn about this guy, this guy, or this guy, because I'm busy adoring God. <laughs> if God wanted us up there, we would have been, I don't know, angels. Well, he would have created us as angels to be up there. Help him, Governor, you know, I might imagine a more boring job in my life. But anyway, but he's not. He put us here. <clears throat> what are the six words? that Dr. Bob gave Bill Wilson. Trust God, clean house, help others. Who do you trust? <laughs> I do AA retreats all over the place for 30 years, and, I, and, and you know, I, I, I keep asking people who you love more than yourself. I, who? Yikes. So who do we trust? See, because faith is built on trust. Faith is, and I want you to get rid of all the doctrinal stuff that you learned in school and you know and everything else. I know we ought to believe that stuff. I certainly believe it and all of that type of stuff. But you know, I don't want what the language I want to talk to you is language of the heart. Because life is not lived up here. Life is not an intellectual ascent to doctrine, dogma, and definition, but life is a gut-level response to situations in which we find ourselves. That's where it's at. That's where we live life. In the heart. In language of the heart, what's faith? 
Who do we trust? I'm going to do that. I had a bad experience. I don't even want that meeting anymore. You know what they said to me? Didn't like what that person said to me. I'm going to go to the meeting anymore. I love the one with the AA and the LOs get together. Do you practice your program? I'll practice my program. You do your thing. That's right. It's a selfish program, remember? I'll do my thing. It's a selfish program. You can't tell me what to do. Ah, I lost my glasses. Oh, hey there. Oh, that's what you look like. Oh. See, a lot of people, uh, you know, the book's all messed up. Here it is. See, a lot of people pick up how it works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who does whatever the heck they want with this program. Only taking to heart those things that are going to be meaningful, convenient, happy, and easy for them to do. Of course, cast aside anything which demands a little discipline, growth, sacrifice, or pain. They're sure to get well. I've never met Bill Wilson, Bob Dead, the general was here this morning, but he said, I was told that that's the one word he changed. To where never have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Our path, not Von Quinn's, not anybody else, it's this. It's a selfish program that if Von Quinn continues to do the things that are in these steps, then there's a good possibility that I'm going to be joyful, happy, and free. From what I was before. But on the second step, we're talking about faith. And faith is not gawking up into heaven, hoping. Faith is an action built on trust. And what it is, is the movement from the comfortable place to the uncomfortable place in our lives that demands risk. What am I talking about? Resentments. Re-feeling old hurts. What about fear? What are those things that block us? What about forgiveness? Everybody in this room, I think, at least I do, I know that there's people in this world I owe forgiveness to. I know there's people in this world that I owe a letter to, a phone call, an act of kindness to. I know there's people in this world that I got to move from my little box and move out of that little box of comfortableness and into another place that demands risk. See, it's so easy to walk around saying, well, I'm a terrible alcoholic, I can't do anything. Give an AA talk, no, I can't. Why? I haven't been in the program long enough. How long have you been in? 18 years. <laughs> and I must be the stupidest, and I must be the ugliest, and I must be the dumbest, and I must be this, and I must be that, and I'm terrible, and I'm bad, and I'm bad, and nobody is badder than me, and God's made junk, and I'm it, and oh my God, and it's terrible, and it's terrible, and it's terrible, and I go to meetings for 23 years, and all I keep saying is the same drunk I'm meeting, and all I'm saying is, 
There is no being greater than me to forgive me. And any time the subject of, of the subject of the steps is brought, anything is brought up, we negatively criticize it. The minute we negatively criticize something, we're claiming our own superiority over it, so we do not have to get involved. And so we paint a box, a box that we're in, and we're comfortable in that box, and we say, "I am unforgivable. I'm no good." I can't do anything, and I don't have to change, and that's comfortable. How are you? Oh shit, you don't know the trouble I've been. <laughs> Argue your limitations, and they become yours. Keep saying things that are going to happen, and by God, you'll make them happen. Right? For sure. But we get in this box, the negative box, and we keep saying no good, no good, and the world's no good, and the whole world's falling apart, and you shouldn't read the newspapers, and isn't it terrible? Oh, my God, oh, 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 this is so bad. All we see is negative. Our vision in life becomes negative. And it's that negative vision of worry, anger, self-pity, and depression that leads us back into, oh, lost the program in French, that means we let it go. Doesn't mean we drink right away, for sure, no, but we sure let it go. And we're back over which column? This was the negative column. You've heard me go through this. No alcoholic drinks automatically. Everybody who lives with one knows that. We telegraph all kinds of signs first. The coffee's cold. The eggs are greasy. The toast is burnt. The food's lousy. The room's too full of smoke. The speaker's speaking too long. The wife's a bit. Oops, said it. The boss is wrong. The vision. I know people who left Detroit when I was there because the sidewalks were too narrow. You've all heard me when I was running marathons here in the, in the Rockies and I was doing the thing in uh, Cochrane between uh, Calgary and Edmonton. I had three retreats. 90 men followed by 90 women followed by 90 Al-Anon. Try that. Good thing you got to be a goaltender, boy. You take a lot of shots on those retreats, okay. So I'd say, fine, you got to work hard. you got to work very hard. you got to be in super shape because people knock on the door at 1 o'clock in the morning. Can I talk to you for a minute, Father? And I go, oh, God, yeah. Okay, what is it? Keep it to the present. Okay, Father, back in 1948. <laughs> so I said, fine, get me a car and I'll run. And one day I ran, I ran 10 miles, 8 miles, or whatever it was. I always exaggerate by 2 miles, okay? And, and I'm coming back in the Banff Springs Hotel at 6 o'clock at night. Oh, my God, the sun was the color of this, of your shirt. Why, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. It was big, oh, magnificent, you know? Blue sky, 7.30 or 6 o'clock at night, just as the sun's coming down, crimson red sunset. Oh, God. Mountains, 15,000 feet high, you know, millions, all snow-capped, you know, billion and one evergreen trees, all standing at attention for this great Magnolia Day, and I'm pumped up from all this running. And I go, my God, look at that! Is that ever exhilarating? This drunk says to me, goddamn mountains are blocking the view. Now, that's a true story, but we're all that way. We are. I, I get that way. I can't understand. You know, I'm teaching. I'm living. I get that way at times. 
We have to, but we've got to have people around us. You know, when we do the discernment, that just means we've got to sponsor people checking up on us and that type of thing. So that faith means when do we move out of that box? You know, love means you know, what was that stupid song? Love means you'll never have to say I'm sorry. What a crock of shit that is. What? <laughs> really? You know, it's like, like, like we're all angels, like we're not human. God put us here in the human race because we need each other very much. And in my context, it's being Pentecost, he sent that spirit because we need that spirit very, very much. And we need his presence. And where's his presence? Up there? Hell no, but here, yes. You want to see recreation? You want to see faith? You want to see God's work in this world? Quit looking up there and look there. There, there, there. Start looking. I was doing a sermon once and I said, uh, well, I do sermons every Sunday. I was talking about death. I said, if you knew tonight was the last meal that you're going to have with your loved ones, wife and family and children, would you be looking at them differently at this meal? Here we are in AA, one day at a time, Al-Anon to retrieve, been given all the tools for freedom, right? All the tools to get rid of all of these addictions, all the tools to get rid of all of these attachments, all the tools we've been given to get rid of these foreign lands that we go into, all the tools we get rid to, to, we are given to go get rid of these idolatries that we go into. Uh, idolatry means picking a foreign land, putting, putting something else ahead of what is our source. And here it is. Next we decided, this page 62, God was going to be our director. He is the principal, we are his agents. He is the father, we are his children. Most good, eyes are si good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone to the new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. So, I mean, it means God is the new director. That's the arch we pass through freedom. It doesn't come about by sitting on our fannies doing nothing. We've got to come out of that little box of comfortableness. And we've got to take risks. If life is not offering you any risks, it's boring. You know why people get bored? Because they're boring. Absolutely right. Yeah. If we expect that life owes us something, forget it. Life's an opportunity, you know. Our happiness depends upon getting, you know, caught up in the stream of life. We've been, we've been given with the highest creations in the world. We've been given every opportunity, you know, and our intellect and our brains and everything else like that are, 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 are driven by divine and inspired by divine stuff. 
this whole mysticism which I start talking about, why we drank, why we tried to change other people, because we wanted to be happy, we wanted to be union. Every one of us sang before we came into AA. I just don't belong. You said it last night. I don't belong in this world. Right? Now that's, that's, that's just not a, that's a real deep, 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 uh, you know, desire for wholeness. What mysticism is, is wholeness. What union with God is, is wholeness. What union with God is, is what we're, de- that's why we drank, that's why we drugged, that's why we hit on people, that's why we got caught up on doing all kinds of things. And now it says, made a decision to turn our life and our will over to the care of God. And most of us come out of that because we've had bad religious experiences and we keep saying to each other, don't tell me any of that God stuff. My God, if you mention that God stuff, I'd be out of this program in two minutes. For goodness sakes, we're talking about life and death. I'm not standing here just talking to be funny. In these pages, page 58 to 103, 45 pages, if I was to go to the American Cancer Foundation and say, I got these 45 pages that people want to live by those 45 pages. I guarantee nobody will die from cancer again. No! I could sell them for a zillion dollars. They finally unglued your pages. <laughs> now you can read them. <laughs> Somebody glued his other pages. Yes, that's it. You know when's the last time I read these? What do you think? Come on, anybody out there am I talking to myself? When? This afternoon. I won't stand here in front of you because there's a person here that's been sober one day. That's my, give her a hand, give her a hand, give her a hand, give her a hand. All right, stop, stop. I don't want to build her ego up too big, eh? You know, what could be more sacred? You know, people look at us and they look at Chuck. I've been sober 30 years. They go, forget it. Sober one day. How the hell do you do that? Made a decision to turn our life and our will over the care of God. We got to get those crazy concepts of God out no matter what religion we were brought up in, no matter what, and say, hey, what is it? Again, it's not a concept. People, I've gone to AM people and they say, I'm trying to understand God. We're never going to understand God. Well, I just done a, uh, a little study of all the comparative religions. Forget it. You know, you'll never. God is too transcendent. God is too imminent, too close. God is God. And God's never going to allow himself to be an object of our addiction. We're not going to affect God, you know, like, Got a job yet? No, my higher power hasn't given me one. How long have you been in the program? 21 years. Well, my higher power parts me parking places. Go up! Get a grip on life. He's called you out of the dirt of alcoholism. Hey, the dirt, the dirt, the dirt. The dirt is beautiful. 
because out of dirt comes flowers. If there's no dirt, there's no flowers. And if you've ever gone through life without ever having to accept, suffer or experience any type of a defeat or any type of a real catastrophe, you, my friend, are truly blessed. But we in AA and Al-Anon, for sure, we know what pain is. And out of the dirt of that pain comes life. Freedom. Emptiness. When I say emptiness, that's a that's a, that's a spiritual term, but it, it, it's a bit difficult one because it means spaciousness. The, the closest thing I can relate it to is this guy I was listening to last night, Chuck. Went through all kinds of things. I asked him about this tonight. All kinds. Of, what happens when we stop drinking? Oh, we chase girls for a while, and I, they get tired of us, right? And then we, we we go and we do this, and then some of us start up running for a while, right? God, I ran more marathons. You could shake a stick, and you know, and all, and we start filling the emptiness with things. Huh? Let's not stay with the withdrawal. We call this uh, reformations, or we call it uh, substitute uh, addictions, or whatever. And sometimes it'll work. Sometimes we give up alcohol and we choose something else, hoping that the something else will be more friendly, but we're not sure. <laughs> you know, sometimes it is, sometimes it ain't. And what, what the, the point that Chuck was making last night when he was coming out of that magnificent Twitch farm that he was in for five days, a lucky son of a gun, right? He was coming home and all of a sudden, no desire to drink. All of a sudden, the mind tricks weren't going clickety-click, 72 miles per hour. Now, if I go here, we'll get a drink. If we don't, all of that stuff that goes on all the time, the obsessions. They walked by a hotel. First time in his life, he ever went by that hotel and didn't stop for a drink. You want a drink? No, I don't think I want to go in. That is a great moment. Not one person in this room has ever had the power within themselves to stop their drinking. Because this new creation which I am talking about, this new creation which I, Von Quinn, am looking at right now. See, imagine what if I was looking at you 20 years ago. Right, you know, what a mess. How'd that happen? Well, you're going to tell me, well, I did this. I pulled Rooney, you did. That's the grace. Right. And the hands have to be open to receive the grace. The grace. We all tried cheap grace. Oh, my God, do we know about cheap grace? Woo, you know, a fix. Right? That's not what it's about. But it doesn't come about by just, by just being a, an observer or by just being a spectator. It comes about by being a participator. It comes about by celebrating life. It comes about by worship. It comes about by song. If you cannot, this is deep theology now, you ready? 
God, sometimes I wish I was out there to hear some of this good stuff. Right? <laughs> if you cannot laugh at yourself, that is not coming from God. You've got to be able to laugh at yourself. We take ourselves so seriously. Oh, God. God, we're so important. Laugh at yourself. Risibility, the proof of the spirituality of the soul. All medical tests will tell you what laughter does to people. Right? Certainly we had lost that. The, 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 the bankruptcy of alcoholism had stolen that from us. But you've got to find out who you are. And most of us don't even know who we are. Because we've lived our whole life in idolatries. Get this fixed. Get that fixed. Get this fixed. You and I'll take off for a while. Okay, Tari, you know, you know, we keep, you know, all of this type of stuff, you know, and I need more money, and I need another car. So now we're going to take a fourth step. Third, whoa, what am I at? What's that say? 9.37, I started at 8 o'clock, okay? Yeah, well, I got a mind. I'm only on the third step, but at the fourth step, it's, you know, the big, the book tells us. You know, I'm sure you've, you've been in AA and you've heard you no must in AA. Please check these steps. It's there 27 times in these pages, 58 to 103. If you're going to say, get God out of the program, it's not a religious program. No! It's a spiritual program, but the word God is there 47 times. And a spiritual program is a program that demands love. And love means the extension of myself for the well-being of the other person. Not just because I feel good when I'm in her presence. You make me feel so good. She's blushing. Right? Well, most of us think that. We think if I feel enough, somebody makes me feel good, I must love. Love is what am I willing to do? The extension of myself for the spiritual well-being of the other person, no matter what. No matter what. So when we get, and the word God is there 47 times. And the word must is there 27, and the word right to four step down is there 13. Accept who you are. Most of us don't want to accept who we are. Accept who you are as you're made in the image and likeness of God because you're a beautiful person. It's much easier to sit around an AA table and beat up on ourselves to start talking about some of the beauty that those desires that we had that got us into drinking and drugging and all of the crazy stuff are mystical desires to be at union with the world and the people in it and God. That's what you're called. You're called to love. And there is only one love. The love of the first love. And until we get in touch with that first love, you cannot form any other type of love relationship. You've got to find out who you are. And to do that, you've got to take the fourth step. And you've got to accept the shadow side. You've got to accept what well, we call it sin. I don't call it sin anymore, but we in AA know what that is. That's because we're human. Because we need forgiveness. God, you know, why would this guy Jesus come? We don't want forgiveness. 
But what we say is, well, I'm unforgivable. You know how they say I'm unforgivable? Because I can't do this right, and I can't do that right, and I can't do that right. And I mean, because there is no God that's greater than me to forgive me. And so we write all the four steps down. Eh? These are my strengths, my weaknesses. You can read it at once. It says do it at once. Right? Write it down. Start writing about yourself. It's important. You're important. God's called you in from the depths of alcoholism and Al-Anon to be here. You'll be the only big book that anybody's ever going to read. You're going to be the only gospel, that means good news, that anybody's going to read. What do you want on the tomb? So you write all your four steps and you write it down. This is me. This is where the loneliness brought me. This is, I got to be able to accept myself. When I say accept myself, as accept myself as a beloved son of God, accept myself as a beloved daughter of God. Befriend that. Befriend that. We do not want to befriend that. In our society, the last thing that we are going to befriend is sexuality. Because in our society, we've made a complete business out of it. Cheapened it sold it, packaged it, trivialized it, trivialized it. God, God's greatest gift, they just love it. We've trivialized it down in a pornography and oh, yeah. and now we don't want to own it. And until we own it and befriend it, there will always be lust. Lust, listen to this, this is heavy. Lust does not bring about shame. Shame brings about lust. Because we will not befriend ourselves. That's deep. But it's true. Look at our society. <laughs> We're doing with that stuff. We get it all down. Sure, we've made mistakes. Big deal made a mistake. My God. Especially if you're Irish, you think that you've made the only one in the world to make that mistake, you know? God, I've listened to these fist steps for 30 years now, and Father, no one's ever done the things that I've done. Oh, my God, meathead. You know? <laughs> I want to make one important point, though, because once you've done that, you've written it all down, you feel good about it, you do that, now you're going to sit with another human being and say, this is me, this is me. The good, the bad, the glorious, the dreams, the mystic stuff that I want, the beautiful symphonies I wrote, the loves of my life, the pain that I went through, the death that I went through, everything, the hopes that I went through, all of those things. This is me. Sure, I made some mistakes. Yeah, bang, okay, fine, good. Now I sit with somebody and say, this is me. And look right in the eyes. And when you do that, for the first time in your life, you are going to accept your creaturehood. And when you accept creaturehood because you've done that with another human being, you implicitly accept a creator other than yourself for the first time. 
believe me. I've been through Pontifical Institute seven years, been ordained all this time. That's what does it. And when you accept a creator other than yourself, then you know forgiveness. Otherwise, you never know it. And the only way that forgiveness comes to you is from other people. You can go to 19 AA meetings a week, and I know people who do, just to get out of the house. <laughs> and you can go to every roundup and everything in the world, and all this stuff is up. But until we stop this stuff and start internalizing the steps, and say, what's this mean to me? And what am I doing about it today? In a joyful way. Freedom doesn't mean, you know, that I'm just going to be able to dance down the streets all day long, belly lapping and knee slapping and doing everything and never have to work and everything. No. Freedom means that in my relationships with other people, they will be tender. In the way I talk to them, in the way I listen to them, in the way I touch them, in the way I make myself present to them. In a way that I'm no longer caught up in all of the other, what I call foreign lands or idolatries that we all got caught up in, alcohol being one, and then we substituted that. And there comes a time when we have to develop solidarity. Spirituality is when I adopt a solidarity, take that tranquilness, take that emptiness, live with it, do not fill it all up with all kinds of other noise and stuff, and place myself in the presence of other people and be able to accept them coming as bearers of gifts. That rolls off my tongue pretty beautifully, to accept people as bearers of gifts. Try living it. It's magnificent. Because sometimes we think, yeah, we're chosen in AA, but that doesn't mean other people are not chosen. Everybody gets chosen. And when we talk talking about spirituality, look into each other's eyes. Start celebrating and affirming the people in your life. I did that another connected wedding once and I said, okay, the bride's coming up the aisle, you guys, and everybody's invited here. You're not here to come to look at this bride as some type of a model being brought up here to be handed over to this Nubian slave. No, we are here to celebrate God's love, which these two young people have called us to celebrate. We're here to celebrate God's commitment and renew our commitment. Myself as a Roman Catholic priest, celibate, you single people, you married men, I want all you married men out there to turn to your wife and say, I love you. I almost got shot after the wedding. What the hell did you do that for, Father? Shit, I've been with her 25 years. What have I got to say that for? My own mother, Elaine the Flame, died when she was 97. In 96, my sister fell off the bike and broke her leg. I said, Mom, Mom, tell Jacqueline you love her. Why? Laying the flame with something else. She was 97 when she died. I, uh, and I, I said mass right on her stomach, right? Uh, and then I said, Ma, how'd you like the prayers? Too long. 
Her, her favorite song was I Could Have Danced All Night. That was the whole funeral. I had an orchestra in church. I just took the place over. And people came into church and said, So, Father, I'm so sorry to hear about your mother. What the hell are you talking about? She was 97. She had two husbands. By the way, girls, she got married again when she was 69. So never give up hope. Right? I did the funeral. I did the service. So I said she was 97. She had two husbands, three ordinary children, and me. Now, what the hell more could you want in life? So, go out and celebrate it. Let the world know you're alive. You know, yeah, make a mistake, so what? Who cares? Go and be alive. You know, that's what it's all about. You know, how are you going to reflect God's love into to other people? And I keep saying, I've said that to somebody here, if God was to come down and look into your face now, would he see the beauty of his creation in the twinkle of your eye? Only you can answer that. Nobody else. Now there's some more steps, and there's 12 traditions, and there's 12 concepts, but I don't think I'm going to cover them all. I was in a penitentiary in Indiana, Michigan City, Indiana, big time penitentiary. I had to have a guard beside me at all times because they guys said they'd kill me. And they heckled me. I talked for seven hours. I did. Because when I talked, when I talked, they couldn't move and they couldn't leave. And these guys were coming away way to bitch, you know. And I met the guy says, how can I get running in this jail as long as I'm running in here? And the guards are outside. I said, I'll fix these guys. Good. Right? So I went, I talked to them. Then I did the 12 traditions. Then I did the 12 concepts. I talked about hockey. I talked. <laughs> the last time those guys ever went to a meeting to abuse it. So I won't. Look, if you don't have fun in life, well, you can make anything. I just like, you know, there's crosses in life. You know, crosses we all got. Crosses, the dirt of the cross, is when our horizontal lines of seeking pleasure in our lives, at the very depth and center of our being, comes in crossroads with the vertical line which leads up to God, forms the cross. And that's the contradiction in our life. And that's the broken human condition. And that's what we've got to live with. But there's purpose to it. Right? Out of that dirt comes spiritual life. Out of that dirt comes love. Okay. That's what it is. And the twelfth step is, is, I'm just going to give you one poem because the twelfth step is about everything I've talked about. You cannot, nemo dabat quod non habit. I can't give to others what I have not got. You know? And so, like, like I read the steps today and I prayed for about four hours. Because I know I'm standing here and there's a young girl here with her first meeting and, and this kid's here and then there's a bunch of you and I'm talking about your life. And it doesn't mean it's always going to be a ball of cherries and it doesn't mean that everything's going to beg me. We're all going to take bumps in the road, right? But I'd hate to get up here and, and, and you know, and, and, and say something that, that you know, is not true. This is a very, very sacred uh, obligation and Actually, very sacred uh, opportunity I have to do these things. I don't take this lightly. You know, I work very hard at it. 
because I look at you and I say, you're all redeemed. You're all special. You're all precious. Do you know that? So you better start telling each other that. Right? And help each other, you know, in all of the ups and downs, mads and glads and happies and sads. Every day of my life now I'm with people who have nobody in their life. Nobody. 500 guys every day and I put 70 to bed every night. And I've been doing that for 30 years. And, you know, sometimes great rewards once in the blue moon. But some of the stories, the stories are people pulled away their love from me. For good reasons, I'm sure. You know, I'm not blaming that. But I'm just saying, you know, that, you know, when we look at this, 10,000 kids on the streets of Toronto. Where I am, there's a good shepherd. So I'm just saying, and here I'm here tonight and I see beautiful people. Smile, kid, or uh, right? Smiling, right? Laughing, loving, and celebrating. And that's the grace. That's the grace moment. For me, that makes sense because now I go back to Toronto and the same thing. Well, I'm going sailing tomorrow. You know that deal, right? Tom asked me to come out. I said, find me a sailboat for Sunday and I'll be there. And he did. So I sail tomorrow and then I go back. Okay, fine. But it's being here and I see all the lights that's here, all of the beauty, all of the grace, and that's the stuff that keeps us going. And so I stop by saying to all of you, I do not wish you joy without a sorrow, nor brilliant sun without the cooling shadow, nor endless day without the evening dark nor barks that never turn against your tide. I wish you faith, hope, love, strength, wisdom, goods, gold enough to help some needy one. I wish you songs and God's blessed peace when every day is done. God bless you.